Hello, and welcome to the Story Wagon Podcast, where we talk about life, story, and spiritual health. I am your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and you can learn more about this podcast at our website, storywagon.org. You can also show us your support on our Patreon page so that we can continue to host this podcast and create resources that help our communities develop good spiritual health. Welcome. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Story Wagon. In this episode, I have the pleasure and the honor to have my friend, Reverend Courtney Armento, uh, on the line with me. We are doing this via Zoom because, you know, she's in another state, but also we're in the midst of COVID-19. And with that, there are some spiritual health issues. There are some interpersonal health issues issues that have occurred because of COVID-19 and we're going to talk about one of those issues and that issue is about IPV or intimate partner violence. Courtney, welcome. Thank you, Jose. It's so awesome to be with you. This is like uh, we were together last year around the same time almost. Right, right. Typically the time we get together so I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, so last time we talked about you you just uh, helped with bringing in uh, for the Disciples of Christ churches uh, a, a policy for them to follow through on about intimate partner violence. Can you just remind us of what that is about? Absolutely. Um, so I am the co-author of a resolution now known as GA 1928. <laughs> um, and it's called a, um, it is called a, a call to see and respond to the crisis of domestic and intimate partner violence. And I had a co-author on that resolution. And our whole denomination, or those that represented the whole denomination in July um, in Des Moines, Iowa, voted on this resolution to be adopted as part of policy, as part of a way forward or a blueprint, right, for handling domestic and intimate partner violence in our churches and across, right, the life and breadth of our church. Um, and it was adopted uh, July 2019. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, it's sort of a blueprint for how churches can be more um, aware and active around this crisis of domestic and intimate partner violence. It's also known as a pandemic. Um, that most people think is happening out there somewhere else and not in our communities. But the truth is one in three women experience uh, physical violence. One in three teens experience dating violence, which most folks don't even want to consider the fact that teens are dating, let alone experiencing abuse in those relationships, in those tender spaces. And one in four men deal with abuse, and it is heterosexual and um, same sex. Uh, same sex. Thank you. I don't know why that was elusive. Uh, same sex relationships um, for both men and women, right, mm-hmm. and teens that are experiencing abuse. And so, yeah, that's that was the pinnacle of the beginning of my work. Wow. I mean, you are bringing up another thing that I really haven't thought about. You know. We live in a world now where we're in a uh, collective trauma called pan, uh, uh, COVID-19. Um, 
And then you just added another layer for me to think about is that we, sh- we were in a pandemic already with intimate partner violence. And so now we are having this com- compounding uh, issues coming on. And I think a lot of people are feeling that stress, you know, reading through some of the CDC reports, there have been um, an uptick on suicidal ideations uh, and an uptick on intimate partner violence because of all this. So um, what are some of the things that you're seeing uh, out there with your work uh, when it concerns that? Well, here's one of the things that um, most people haven't considered, right? We were originally, um, when we started getting the clarity around the severity of COVID-19, asked to shelter in place. There was a mandate put out, right? For us to be still, shelter in place. People lost their jobs. Schools stopped functioning uh, in in in-person sessions. And so there were stresses, right, uh, on top of just being still. The stress of loss of income, the stress of lack of connectivity with um, their social uh, norms, right? And so in homes where there was abuse, that meant that individuals that would normally have a way out during the day to go to school or work, that was now shut down and they were at home with their abusers. And so there was a huge, huge uptick in domestic violence and intimate partner violence across the globe. I have a couple of um, quotes I'd love to share with you around what happened. Please. So um, The Guardian, a news outlet based in the United Kingdom, reported that domestic violence killings more than doubled during the shelter-at-home period. They also reported calls to domestic violence helplines have increased by 120%, while traffic to their websites is tripling. There is an unprecedented demand for refuge places. Children, too, are more vulnerable than they have ever been. Another article reports, similarly, the Huffington Post reported that U.S. senators were pushing to prioritize domestic violence survivors in COVID-19 bailout bills. This push for survivors was a reaction to a rise in domestic violence cases during the pandemic. Advocates also warned that the actual number of domestic violence cases is much likely higher since most victims are unable to report or seek help when they are stuck at home with their abuser. Wow. Wow, this is this is heavy. That's that's heavy. Yeah. It is. And you know, I the reason why I'm personally concerned um, as a chaplain, uh, you know, I see a lot of people coming into the ED suffering from intimate partner violence or sexual assaults, you know, um, and it just it, and in this time we've seen an uptick also just on a local level. And my my heart is telling me that there's this disconnection you know, for people who are getting abused from uh, either from the providers or society as a whole that, you know, we need to have eyes on this because these people are God's people. These people have the image of God in them. And like, for me, this is this is why it's so important that nobody's uh, uh, sacredness 
should be trampled on as such, you know, no matter the circumstances, no matter the stressors out there in the world, these people are God's creation in my, in my worldview, you know? And so I, I, you know, October is here. Um, it's the, uh, IPV awareness or domestic violence awareness month. And, you know, that's why I, I like having you on here when we're talking about this. And so with some of the things that you're seeing out there, what, what are other things out there that are being done to help to bring this awareness uh, to to be in our society, that to, to have that understanding? This is a pandemic also. It is. Uh, one pandemic was fueling another, right? Um, here's, the, here's the thing. It's really scary that more people are interested in believing that abuse is happening somewhere else and not in our own communities. And so they also view this as such a taboo or controversial topic that they don't want to deal with it. Um, I just did a workshop, a mini workshop with a group of pastors. I think there were about 15 pastors on the call. And most pastors have never been trained in how to respond appropriately to folks dealing with domestic and intimate partner violence. And it is really, really important that people have an understanding, a deep understanding of what's really at play because it is complex. There are so many levels to it and it's so easy to harm folks, right? With just cliches or casual comments that people think they're saying something helpful when it's actually painful. Uh, One of the things that I've heard uh, in leadership in the church is that someone came to me and said, "Um, my friend, I don't know why my friend let this happen to her. Mm. And anyone hearing that realizes that that individual is blaming the victim for the abuse that they're suffering. And that's never okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think spaces are doing enough to lift up the awareness. And that is why I wrote the resolution. And it calls for a lot of action, right? It calls for pastors to preach on domestic violence. It calls for safer sacred spaces to be created, um, to, to nurture folks to create something that doesn't even exist yet, something outside of shelter walls where people can feel safe to let others know what they're dealing with. People are suffering in silence in plain sight, right? And they come and they show up um, and you'll never know because of shame and stigma and the silence. And until we actually do something to dismantle the stigma and the shame, it will continue. Unless we unsilence domestic violence and teach people around the red flags and the markers of abuse so that they can make uh, different choices, we still, this is a, a cycle that has been going on since the beginning of time. It's biblically documented, right? It is part of our cultural norm, right? Um, we're comfortable with violence in our movies and our music and, um, our everyday experiences, what we see, we're, we're comfortable with a certain level of abuse and violence. Sometimes we even expect it. Comedians make light of abuse all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to say as a disclaimer at the end, abuse is killing people. Mm. This is harmful. It's not funny, right? Um, and so, there are a lot of things that people can do. One of the things that I realized on my journey is that 
hairstylists in many states have to take um, domestic violence crisis intervention certification. It's a 40-hour course. Mm. I sat through that course in Illinois, and that's one of the states that requires hairstylists to take this training. My resolution asks, why not pastors? Why on earth do pastors not have to take any educational um, courses around how to really journey with someone that's dealing with uh, domestic and intimate partner violence? It's like nothing you've ever learned in seminary, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, it's very specific and it requires a great deal of patience. Individuals dealing with abuse, it might take them seven to nine times to leave an abusive situation. That requires a lot of patience and understanding. Individuals that are being abused are dealing with being micromanaged, right? To the point that they lose their sense of empowerment, their sense of agency, their sense of self-esteem and self-worth. It gets chipped away at little by little by a psychological process, right? And so in order to to build that back up, we have to create something that doesn't exist. We have to find ways of letting people know that we're equipped to help them, right? Um, I have a website devoted to this whole process. It's a website where there are resources listed. It's all specific to pastors or survivors or anyone who wants to know more about how to journey with people or how to bring resources to their areas. And it's called uh, tetheredone.org, tetheredone.org. Yeah, we'll make sure that our listeners have that <laughs> on the description of the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank, uh, you. thank you. So, like, one of the one of the things that, um, at least in military chaplaincy, they train us to respond to sexual assault. And one of the key things that I, I'm bringing along from that training to uh, domestic violence is uh changing the language you know like not victim blaming or victim shaming um also changing the the idea of victim to survivor you know just that that that's a complete shift there and it helps in 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 a way and so and i'm also wondering about this other language that we need to change because i know as a cis gendered male uh culturally there's things that are inside my psyche that is just there, you know, and I have to unlearn those things, but you don't know what you don't know. So it's like, uh, you know, along with your website to find these resources, to get the knowledge, to get the awareness. Is there any other places that you suggest for people to go to if they're interested in like learning more about changing the way that they think or they process all this? Yeah, um, on my website, <laughs> it's like the hub. It's why where I sort of I created this space to like catch all of the resources that I really really love. Um, I have a five hour course that I created right uh, for clergy and churches, uh, specifically to understand the nuances of abuse and the language that they need to have and the posture that they need to have. So there are links to that course on my webpage, but also there are some other. Um, resources there. There is a resource called domesticshelters.org. And if one goes to that site, they can put in their zip code and find the shelter closest to them, which is a huge, huge um, 
resource, right? They also have other resources. There's a DV hack that I have, right? A lot of people think that you have to be in a shelter in order to receive some of the support and resources that shelters provide, but that's not true. Shelters offer free counseling, free safety planning, free legal advice, and a lot of other resources that people don't even know about whether, you know, it's not even whether or not they will uh, take advantage of them, but if they don't know, how could they, mm -hmm. right? There's so many things that shelters can provide for individuals in terms of services. If someone needed to leave, and I must say that um, the highest rate of demise in a domestic or intimate partner violence situation is when someone tries to leave. And so safety planning is of the utmost importance and shelters can help individuals with safety planning. On top of that, if a person needs to leave and walk away from so many things, they might have to leave on a dime, right? Leave things like birth certificates and passports and medications and all of those things behind to get safe. A shelter can help someone get those things back. And so it's really little known information um, that I think is so important to share. Um, there's another, two other websites that I'll mention. If there are pastors listening, sojo, S-O-J-O dot org, and I think it's backslash 100 sermons, um, will give, or actually has a list of 100 sermons on domestic or sexual assault. And so there's content there so that individuals don't have to recreate the wheel, right? Um, there's also a site called nnedv.org, a wealth of information for survivors, for those that want to journey alongside folks dealing with abuse um, that I highly recommend. And my favorite book is How to, um, what is it called? Uh, <laughs> Becoming the Narcissist Nightmare. Uh. Shahida Arabi is the author, but it's also listed on my website. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I mean, it's like um, if there's a person out there listening and wondering, well, what does this have to do with spiritual health? It has everything to do with spiritual health. Not, not only am I, you know, relating to the image of God, but you know, whenever there's uh, domestic violence involved, there's a drastic change in relationship. There's a drastic change in uh, location. I mean, we're talking about loss. Therefore, we're talking about grief and bereavement. Uh, and when we're dealing with um, people who are survivors of domestic violence, uh, whether they were the person that the act was upon or whether they were just bystanders, there's also moral injury involved in all this. So there could be like some, some shame and guilt for the person, you know, that was involved in this, you know, going through that. So we're, we're wanting to understand, you know, what is the survivor going through and to develop ways to help them develop practices that will restore their own self-image of them being a creation of God, of a, of a divine being, you know, uh, and that having that divinity instilled in them, you know, sort of thing. So that's my personal view. What, Courtney, when I'm saying all that, what do you think? 
Well, here's the thing. My resolution opens up with John 10, 10, right? Jesus came so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Mm. And that is thwarted by abuse, right? Those dealing with abuse are suffering from things like you mentioned, grief, loss. Um, They're dealing with depression, fear. They're dealing with pain, physical, emotional. Um, They're not able to live fully as the divine um, spirit has created us to do. Mm -hmm. And so it is really important that wholeness be attributed to responsiveness around domestic and intimate partner violence because people need to feel whole in order to thrive and to flourish. And domestic violence and abuse robs people of that opportunity to live fully, to participate completely, to live in love as we were created to do. And so, yes, as agents of spirituality, it is our charge to do as much as we can to support individuals on their journey to wholeness and wellness and flourishing. Mm. And we can't do that if we don't understand what it means. If an individual leaves their home life under extreme circumstances, right, for safety, they have to get out. Even if it's not even an emergency situation that they find an opening and they're able to leave. The things that people grieve after that are innumerable right? They grieve the loss of who they were. They grieve the loss of relationships, friendships and family members that are going to take sides. Mm. They grieve the loss of whatever stability they had in that life, because sometimes that stability is all one knows, right? And sometimes there's security in a space that's painful and harmful. And now they have to go to the unknown, So fear of the unknown is another complex layer of what someone is dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so the other aspect of leaving means that if they're in contact with their abuser, the abuser usually finds a way to hoover them. And the word hoover is just like it sounds, like the vacuum cleaner hoover, Mm -hmm. is to try to suck them back into the relationship by making all sorts of promises that they won't do what they've done again and that they will get help and that they will be different and that they're loved. Right. And that's why it takes seven to nine times for someone to leave an abusive relationship. And those of us who um, walk alongside individuals dealing with that need to be extremely patient and extremely caring and understanding without demanding or even ever showing a sense of um, dissatisfaction or disapproval with their choices, because they're most likely going through disapproval all the time about who they are, what they do, who they see, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so for us to add another layer to that breaks the bond of the relationship of nurturing somebody back to wholeness. Yeah, wow. Wow, so much in that. I uh, one of the things that maybe a listener might be wondering is that you did mention about the abusers and themselves, and we're talking about specifically the the survivor and those who are witnesses to domestic violence. So, you as the listener, I hope 
you understand that there's two separate things here. So we'll deal with the uh, abuser part di on a different episode uh, yeah, because that takes a whole different other process. Even though there might be some same you know issues going on, we could talk about trauma-informed care and uh, adverse childhood events and, and, and other circumstances that lead up to this for on the abusive part. But that's for another show. We're or keeping it towards those who are survivors uh, and, and witnesses to de domestic violence. So with that, have there been any kind of key practices that you've seen, spiritual practices uh, or just spiritual disciplines that help people who have been uh, survivors or, are, or who are survivors, I should say, and who have seen, witnessed um, domestic violence help them through that healing process? Well, I can speak from my own experience, right? I didn't say that um, I'm also a survivor, mm -hmm. right, of domestic and intimate partner violence. And so in my own process of healing, um, a lot of what I found to support myself is on my website. Lots of books, right, that really clarified what I was going through. And I remember reading a couple of books and saying to myself, oh my God, this was my life. This exactly what's in this book. And I was holding up the books thinking to myself, well, do abusers read the book and then act like this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or does, you know, the book written because the behavior is so patterned, right? That it can actually be documented as a scientific uh, expression of what actually happens. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, is music, right? I made empowerment playlists for myself to really help me sort of bolster my sense of uh, self-reclamation, right? Um, I was always very aware. Well, I won't say that. I'll say the last time that I was in an abusive relationship, I was super hyper aware that I was in an abusive cycle. And I thought that I could out talk it and or protect my boundaries so much that I wouldn't be abused. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? Psychological abuse gets in behind your um, everyday sense of consciousness. It's subconscious programming. It's like being in a Shakespearean play with somebody narrating your life all the time, someone planting seeds all the time about the way they want to manipulate you into behavior. And so you're constantly fighting that, right? Or a person would constantly be fighting that. Um, and it takes a toll on the way one shows up and functions. If you're constantly fighting something all the time, you're worn out, right? Emotionally, physically, and mentally worn out. Um, and so I really learned about um, listening to my own voice, valuing my internal um, spirit guide, right? Right. Um, my intuition that was telling me, my intuition is always 100% right. And what happens in abusive relationships is that abusers try to uh, negate that voice and shut that voice down so that individuals lose their way. And so reclaiming oneself is all about reconnecting with that uh, internal sense of God speaking, our intuition. I created a space, an intentional space around um, 
I don't know. I made a space for survivors to find themselves, to reclaim themselves. Yeah. And it's a physical space right now. Mm. Um, it has, I, I took an office and I filled it with the books that I used to re reclaim myself with soothing music, with pillows, with tea, with coloring books and crayons. Uh -huh. um, and it's a nurturing space. But of course, during this pandemic, I can't be in that space with individuals. So what I did was I moved it online. And so now on Wednesdays at one o'clock, PS, uh, PST time, uh -huh. Pacific time, okay. um, I open the doors to what I call the Sanctuary, T-E-A. Okay. And space for people to come and navigate through what they're feeling um, based on either relationship dynamics or what's going on in the world. But it's a safer, sacred space that I created for individuals to come and say what they're feeling and to be held uh, in a nurturing, safer, sacred space, and to off also offer resources uh, if folks are interested in that. Do you drink tea in there too? Is it? Is it? Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. About the tea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So folks can bring their tea and come. I drink tea, uh, or have no tea. Uh, but it's also a place to find out about the tea. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so What's the tea? What's going on? What's going on with abuse in our society? And how can we heal ourselves? Um, it's a huge journey that one has to undertake. And a lot of self-grace and nurturing and self-love has to happen in that space. Wow. Oh, my gosh. We're already at 30 minutes. <laughs> I could go on for hours. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to tell me when we're done. No, we got we got to uh, we got to continue these conversations. And um, you know, if you're a listener, this this is not going to stop here. We'll, if if this interests you, please connect with Courtney um, through her website. Uh, Courtney, can you give your website again? Yes, I'll give two things. Um, one, the website for all my resources is tetheredone.org tethered as in tethered to tied to um and if anyone is interested in coming to the sanctuary on wednesdays at one o'clock pacific time you can go to my i'm a pastor of a church out in lancaster california and so my church website has a zoom uh id and you can find me at that space and my church website is the blend b-l-e-n-d churchfamily.org Awesome. Okay. So we'll make sure that we list that on our website. Um, and thank you so much, Courtney, for coming. Um, you know, again, this is a, a, a conversation that needs to be had. And if you, the listener, are out there and um, are hearing this and you are in a, an abusive relationship, uh, you do not have to accept that. Uh, there are resources out there connect with the resources that we give. Courtney, is there a hotline that a person can call if they're in a situation? I don't have the hotline on top of my head, but it is on my website. Okay. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put it out there. Um, uh, there's there's got it. There's a 1-800 number. I forget it myself too. Uh, and we'll get you to the right resources. And you're not in this alone. Okay, so... Um, and so with that, we're just going to have to end it here. Courtney, again, thank you very much for being on the show. And on that note, we'll call that a wrap for this episode of Story Wagon. 
I want to thank you, the listener, for supporting us and listening to this episode. And if you want, please follow us on any social media platform and type in StoryWagon. You can also visit us at our website, storywagon.org. And so, with that, this is Chaplain Jose Martinez wishing you good spiritual health. Mm-hmm.